Welcome to the Dad University Podcast. This is episode 304, titled Six Positive Discipline Techniques to Improve Child Behavior. If you're not familiar with positive discipline, it was developed by Dr. Jane Nelson in the early 1980s to teach young people to become responsible, respectful, and resourceful members of their communities. Parents, educators, coaches, and more have used positive discipline to improve the behavior of children using mutual respect. In this episode, I go over six simple positive discipline techniques that you can use to improve child behavior. Now, while there's many positive discipline examples and techniques, the six outlined in this episode are easy to implement so that you can begin practicing now. This is the audio recording of an episode that I did for YouTube. Dr. Jane Nelson, the founder, ended up seeing that episode, reaching out to me, and we ended up meeting for lunch as well as later recording an interview. It was incredible. Anyways, I want to go first tell you about the Dad University membership, and then we will jump into this awesome episode. Hey, this is Jason Kreidman, founder of Dad University. For those of you interested in achieving your full potential as a father, or you simply want to support our mission, become a member of Dad University. The cost is pay what feels good, so you get to choose what you want to pay. Visit daduniversity.com to learn more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Whether you are parenting, teaching, or coaching, understanding the techniques of positive discipline can be extremely helpful in dealing with children's behavior. There are no bad kids, just bad behavior. And punishment is not the answer. Mutual respect is. In this video, we're going over six positive discipline techniques to improve child behavior. So what is positive discipline? Positive Discipline was originally a book published in the early 1980s by Dr. Jane Nelson. Dr. Nelson's philosophies and teachings were based on the work of psychiatrists Alfred Adler and Rudolf Dreikers. Dr. Nelson, along with Lynn Lott, expanded Positive Discipline into additional books, programs, and seminars to teach young people how to be more responsible, respectful, and resourceful members of their communities. I was introduced to positive discipline when I first started taking parenting classes, and it definitely has had an impact and influence in the teachings for Dad University. Dr. Nelson has done tremendous work and has helped so many people learn valuable information over the years. Dr. Nelson created five criteria for positive discipline. These are essentially the main benefits. Number one, positive discipline is firm and kind. This means being respectful to the child, but also being respectful to the needs of the situation. If you are only kind, you're too permissive. And if you're only firm, you're going to be too strict or authoritarian. So being kind and firm is essential to positive discipline. Number two, positive discipline helps children feel a sense of belonging and significance. We all want to feel like we are part of something. And if it's our family, that's great. But if it's not, it might be our community, a cause, or even the greater world. But we all want to feel significant and be a part of something. For children especially, when they don't feel a sense of belonging, they will act out. And typically, they will act out in a way that 
isn't good. And so that's either showing bad behavior or acting out in a negative way. Number three, positive discipline is effective long-term versus a short-term fix. While punishment might curb behavior in the short term or for that specific moment, we have found that positive discipline works over the long term and is a more beneficial way of handling these kinds of situations. Number four, positive discipline teaches valuable social and life skills. We want our children to learn, cooperate, solve problems, and be respectful towards others. And positive discipline is a great way to help that happen. And number five, positive discipline helps children discover that they are more capable. We often underestimate the capabilities of our children, but when you use positive discipline, you allow their capabilities to shine. And this is positive for both you and the child. So let's go over some positive discipline techniques that you can implement. Number one, positive reinforcement. We are really good at pointing out when our children do something wrong. But what about when they do something good or something that we asked of them? Positive reinforcement is verbalizing your gratitude towards the child for the positive behavior that they are displaying. For example, thank you so much for putting your trash in the trash can. I really appreciate you coming home on time. You were playing so nice with your sister. Thank you for including her. If you want to see the behavior repeated, there is no better way than to provide positive reinforcement. If you're not sure that it works, think about it for yourself. When your partner or anyone else says something positive about something you did, doesn't that make you want to repeat the behavior? Let's say you clean the kitchen, and maybe you don't normally clean the kitchen, and your partner comes home and says, oh, wow, thank you so much for cleaning the kitchen. That, that was really appreciated. You don't think that you'll consider cleaning the kitchen again? We all like to feel appreciated, and that gratitude reinforces our behavior. Another technique for positive discipline, number two, listen to them. And I mean really listen to them. If they are having emotions and they are feeling sad, angry, or frustrated, allow them to express their emotions and hear them. Really listen to what they are expressing. We often discount children's feelings and their voice because we are looking at the situation from our own perspective, from our adult brain and the adult perspective. And we simply don't agree with what they're saying or how they're doing it, or we just don't want to hear it. Positive discipline uses empathy to look at a situation and feel it from the child's perspective. So again, we're not looking at it from our adult perspective and brain and our own emotions. We're looking at it from the perspective of the child. Have you ever said, what were you thinking? Or why did you do that? But then truthfully, the answer that they give, you don't give much credit to or value it very much. You're just simply asking those questions with no real right answer available. And part of that is, is that we are looking at the situation again from our own perspective. And oftentimes the children won't know how to articulate what they're going through or how they're feeling. So instead they might just say, I don't know. A good way to combat I don't know is to say, well, what if you did know? If you did know, what would you say? And sometimes they may still not have an answer. But if they do say something, you say, okay, 
I understand. I, I hear where you're coming from. So how could we have done this differently? What could we have done differently to have a different outcome? And this is where the coaching and learning process happens. Again, we want to listen to them and show them that we are listening, even if we're going to guide them in a different direction or onto a different path. Number three, ask questions versus telling. One of the criteria that Dr. Nelson mentioned about positive discipline and its importance is that children are capable. And one of the best ways to help children become capable is to ask them questions versus telling them what to do. For example, instead of saying, hey, go put on your pajamas, you might say, hey, what do we do after we take a bath? Or instead of saying, please pick up your toys, you might ask the question, hey, what do we do after we're done playing with our toys? Asking questions forces the child to think and come up with a solution. When we tell the child what to do, they simply can kind of go through the process a little bit mindless and not have to think about it. So that doesn't develop their brain or their problem-solving skills. Doing this over and over again will help develop their brain and make them more capable. They begin to do things on their own, needing less prompting from us. Number four, offer choices. Kids want to feel like they are in control. And when we offer them choices, they get to choose, which allows them to feel like they are in control. Of course, you're going to give them two choices in which you're happy with either choice, but nonetheless, they get to feel like they're in control because they get to make the choice. So you may pick out two shirts and say, hey, would you like to wear the blue shirt or the red shirt? But either way, they're going to get dressed. Or another, would you like to go upstairs fast like a cheetah or slow like a turtle? Either way, they're going upstairs. Or how about for dinner? Do you want your pasta with sauce or without sauce? Either way, you're eating the pasta. Again, giving them choices allows them to feel like they are in control. And that control is really important as they developed because they want to feel that sense of control. Giving them that control can often avoid arguments and tantrums and other bad behavior that can be a result of them not feeling like they're in control. Number five, no rewards. One of the goals of positive discipline is to foster internal motivation. What that means is that a child decides to do something or is motivated by their own internal motivation because it feels good or because it's the right thing to do, not because they're going to get a reward. No stars or stickers for good behavior, no money for getting good grades. There's no rewards. The rewards they get is the internal feeling that they accomplished something or that they did something they were intended or supposed to do. So many parents think that by incentivizing the child, that's going to motivate them. And while it might be true, this might work in the short term, you give them a sticker to do something or you give them some small reward, but you have to think, what are the long-term effects of this kind of reward system? What happens when there is no incentive? No stickers, no money, no ice cream or candy as a result of the behavior or the thing that they accomplished. What is going to motivate them? So when those incentives are gone, there's then no motivation. So we want to incentivize them internally. It's the accomplishment or it's them doing right or doing the thing that they were supposed to do. 
That is the incentive. If you are trying to build internal motivation, then just get rid of the awards. Allow them to be motivated by their own internal motivation. Number six, model the behavior. Monkey see, monkey do. If you want your children to be nice and respectful and polite, guess what? You have to be nice, respectful, and polite. You don't want your children to yell? Well, then you don't yell. This becomes a little bit more difficult as your child grows because outside influence starts to creep in. But when your children are young, they will model everything that you do. I'll tell you a story. I was really frustrated one day. Uh, my children were maybe six and eight years old. And I came home and I was yelling. I was upset at some things that had happened during the day and I was letting it out on my kids. And so I yelled and I ultimately, after a couple minutes, left the room. So a couple minutes went by, I came back and I talked to my children. I said, listen, I want to apologize for yelling. Um, that I should have handled that differently and I'm sorry for yelling. Um, this had nothing to do with you. I was upset at something else. So we then fast forward about two weeks and my eight-year-old is really upset and he starts yelling at everybody in the room because of some other frustrations he had and he leaves the room. He then comes back a couple minutes later and says, I'm really sorry for how I acted and I yelled. I, I should have handled that better. So where did he see that behavior? Well, simply two weeks ago, I had almost the exact same scenario. And because of how I handled that, he saw it, heard it, watched it, studied it, and then did the same thing in the exact same situation. Our children learn by watching, listening, and hearing everything we do. And especially when there's high emotions involved, we have to be mindful about how we act and what we say. Because we have these little ears and eyes and brains watching, listening, and hearing every single thing that we do. Be sure that you are modeling the behavior that you want to see from your child. Assume that your child is always watching and always listening because they are. If you enjoyed this episode, we appreciate positive reviews and any kind of feedback that you may have. If you want to achieve your full potential as a father or simply support our content, consider becoming a member of Dad University. Visit daduniversity.com and click on Become a Member. We'll see you next time.